Welcome once again to the podcast. This is Brother Sims. Uh, We have another interesting lesson for you today. Today we're going to be talking about walking in the newness of life. Okay, what does it mean to walk in the newness of life? The word walk is symbolic of our lifestyle. As Christians, once we're born again, our lifestyle or our walk dramatically changes. But it is a process. But number one, we need to understand what takes place in the spirit at the point of salvation. Romans 6 and 4 through the 6th verse gives us a picture or understanding of what happens at the point of salvation. And it reads as follows, Romans 6 and 4, and I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. It says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. So it says we are buried with him. So when Christ died, we died because we are in him. His experiences become our experiences in the spirit realm. Then it says, by baptism into death. What is baptism? Well, number one, there's water baptism, which is an outward sign of what was done in the spirit at the point of salvation. So water baptism is symbolic. Okay, number two, we are baptized or immersed into Christ when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. And we become a part of the body of Christ. We're going to back up a bit to Romans 6 and 1. And we're going to read through that third verse. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So that's basically saying, when Jesus died, it's just like we died. We died to our sinful lifestyle. And as Jesus was raised up with a new body, we are raised up in the sense that we are raised up to live in a new, in a righteous way. Okay, back to Romans 6 and 4, it says, That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. In other words, we should walk in a new way. Now, if you look at the word should, it means used to express obligation or duty. See, we not only have the obligation, but we have the privilege and the duty to live in a new way, considering what Jesus has done for us. Just as Jesus was raised in victory, we also, after our salvation experience, were raised to live in victory. We have both the privilege and responsibility to to live out this new life in Christ, out of a heart of love and appreciation for what he has done for us. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now that word reasonable means that's the least thing we can do when we consider all that Jesus has done for us. So living a righteous and holy lifestyle before God should be a small thing to us when we consider, you know, all that Jesus has done for us. He's made us righteous. He's made us holy in God's sight. So out of a heart of appreciation and love, we should want to live out a righteous life. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are, and then it says become new. It says are. So that's present tense. And then it says become. The word become means to grow or come to be. The question is this, how can we be new and becoming new at the same time? Well, what was done at the point of salvation was we received a brand new born again spirit. Okay, but the thing about it is we still have that old mind. 
and our mind being transformed is a process. So we have a brand new spirit with an old mind. And see, a lot of times that's why we can't live out the Christian lifestyle because we're operating under that old mind site. And what has to happen is our mind has to be washed. Our mind has to be renovated and come into alignment with our spirit. Romans 12 and 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, which means changed, by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we see our mind has to be renewed. That word renewed actually says renewing. That means it's an ongoing process of making new. Our mind, as we get into the word of God and the word of God gets into us, our mind is being transformed. The old way of thinking begins to change and we begin to get what I call God's thoughts. When our mind becomes aligned with our spirit, then we can live out the Christian life. See, our mind is the go-between between our spirit and our body. If we think about it as layers, first you have the spirit, then you have the mind, which is in the middle, then we have the body. The spirit tells the mind what to do, and when the mind becomes subject to what the spirit is saying, then the mind tells the body what to do, and then we're able to live out the Christian lifestyle in a holy and acceptable manner unto God. Romans 6 and 11, it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that word reckon means to consider oneself or to see oneself as dead to sin. Now see, we have to see ourselves as being dead to sin. And then it says, verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Now it says, let not, that means we have the power or the ability to allow or not allow sin to reign in our bodies. The difference between a sinner and a person that is saved as it relates to sinning is we have the power not to sin because of the blood of Jesus. We have a choice. A sinner doesn't really have a choice. They are what we call slaves to sin. We are not slaves to sin, but we can sin by choosing not to do the right thing. Now look what it says in verse 13. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, watch this, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. Because of grace, because of God's kindness, we have the power as New Testament believers to live above sin. Number one, because of the Holy Spirit, which dwells on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a righteous and a holy life before God. Look what it says here in Romans 6 and 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. You know, one of the biggest problems in the church today is grace abuse. Grace is not a license to sin. We're not free to live in sin, but free from sin. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2 and 16. As free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Now in the New Living Translation, it puts it like this. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use freedom as an excuse to do evil. Grace abuse, like I said once before, is a big problem in the church. I mean, a lot of people, they swing so far left until they just 
figure, you know, I can do anything. I can live any kind of way because the grace of God covers my sins. God both hates legalism and grace abuse, which is basically two forms of extremism. On one side, you got legalists who believe everything is a sin. People live in bondage. And then on the other side, you got grace abuse where people just live any kind of way. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, we're to live holy and righteously, but we're not to depend on that to get into heaven. And that's what legalism is. It's in dependence on works. What the Bible says is by grace we are saved through faith. And just because we are saved by grace does not mean we can do anything. Okay, this is going to be my last set of scriptures. We're going to be coming from Ecclesiastes 7 and 16. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation for more clarity. Look what it says. So don't be too good or too wise. Why destroy yourself? On the other hand, don't be too wicked either. Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? Pay attention to these instructions for anyone who fears God will avoid both extremes. Now, what is that saying? Don't be like a Pharisee. You know, the Pharisees were extreme. They're tired of everything they got. They would strain their water so they wouldn't swallow a gnat. There was extreme when it comes to, to being religious. And you know, some people like that. Every little thing is a sin. You know, they're not free. They depend on their own righteousness to get them into heaven. That's called legalism, dependence upon work. And it's too extreme to the right. Now, on the other hand, it says, you know, don't be too wicked either. Now, that's not saying we should be wicked at all. It's just saying, don't be a grace abuser. Don't be the type of person that believes, oh, I can do anything. I could just go headlong into sin because the grace of God covers my sins. It says, why die before your time? Living that type of way can cause us to leave here early because we take the grace of God for granted. There's consequences to sin. There's temporary consequences, but there's also eternal consequences. A person who abused the grace of God doesn't really understand what grace means. And a person who is legalistic doesn't understand to live a holy lifestyle before God. These two extreme views are a big problem in the church. It's about balance. It's about getting a proper understanding. What does it mean to live holy? But why we live holy? We don't live holy to be saved. We live holy because we are saved. And that's the proper view. With that being said, that ends this lesson, walking in the newness in life. Be blessed out there. Pray for me and I'll be praying for you. In Jesus' name, amen.